You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. Father, I thank you so much that uh, you give us a sense of humour, Lord. And Father, I just pray today that whatever comes out of my mouth, it be from you, Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you take those words and you use them to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I've got glasses here too. Um, I get to talk about being worthy of it all today. This morning we continue the topic of the healthy church. I've been talking about what it takes to have a healthy church and what levels we have to go to to see the healthy church. And it was that thought that took my mind back to the efforts of people, everything they work hard to do. You know, what what do people put their hope in and their trust in that they work for? You know, when I was at Bible college, they showed us a clip on sacrifice. And it wasn't a picture of Jesus on the cross. It was a Team Hoyt. I don't know if you've ever seen Team Hoyt. A clip of that now. There wasn't a dry eye in the place. And I... I wanted to show the clip, but I've seen it that many times and I always end up crying. But um, if you haven't seen it, make sure you do. But it shows you the lengths a person will go to to make sure someone's life is great. And it challenged me a bit. I thought, what in my life am I passionate about? What am I so passionate about that I, I want to see improvement in people's lives through what I do? And I always think about my family. There's nothing I wouldn't do for my family. I'm talking about my brothers and my mum and dad. You know, when I was younger, uh, I already told you my dad went to school and had an altercation with a teacher who was only doing his job and disciplining me. Maybe over-disciplined me, but my dad went and over-disciplined him. And then a bit later on in school, a bully was picking on me. He was older than me, so my older brother made sure that didn't happen again. And it doesn't matter what I did. My mum always had a nice word to say about me to the teachers, even though I didn't deserve it. And that's what family's like, isn't it? You, 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 the worth of your family is incredible. And then when I look at my family now, when you get your own family and you get older, you look at your family and you see your kids and you see them sad and there's not a thing you wouldn't do for them to make sure they weren't sad. There's nothing you wouldn't do. You would run in front of a bus for your children. You'd walk over glass for your children. You'd run in front of a car to protect. If there was a bully, I'd be there and stand up. doesn't matter how big they were. I'd get beaten up, but I'd give it a crack because that's what you do for your kids. Now, if they walked in front of a car, they're probably silly and probably deserve to be hit. <laughs> but there's nothing you wouldn't do for your family. You should be there to defend each other, look after each other, and build one another up. I couldn't think of loving anything more than my children until I look at my wife. And then I know there's nothing I wouldn't do for Anna. You know, we laugh together, we've been sad together. When she's happy, I'm happy. When she's sad, I'm sad. When she has a win, I have a win. When she gets angry, I hide. <laughs> it's, we've shared so many ups and downs. We've made mistakes together. We've built houses together and we've built a family together. And there's not one thing I wouldn't do for Anna except maybe make a bed. I hate beds. I'm, I'm not even kidding. I have psychological problems with a bed. I, I get up in the morning, get out of bed, and I look at it, and I think, nope. I go and have breakfast, come back, nope. I, can't, I don't understand beds. 
why do they have to be folded the way they are? You know, there's a sheet, right, that goes between the mattress and the quilt, right? This is, this is true. This is a text I sent to Anna. It says, what do you call the sheet between the mattress and the quilt? You know, the pointless one. <laughs> That's what I sent to Anna. Her response was this. It's called a top sheet, babe, and it serves a very important purpose. <laughs> it's a sheet. I don't understand why you need a top sheet on a bed, but it has to be perfect. So maybe I wouldn't build. Sometimes I would make a bed for Anna, but most of the time I get up, walk out of the room, come back in. Within 20 seconds, it's made again with <laughs> military fashion, and it's not to be touched again until bedtime. It's, so beds are a mystery to me. I know Anna went to help uh, mother-in-law out the other day to put a quilt on and kept telling her off. No, you don't touch it like that. You don't. Nuts. Absolutely insane. <laughs> But other than making a bed, there is nothing I wouldn't do for Anna because she is my absolute life. She's the most valued person in my life and, uh, you know, she supports me when no one else would. She's gone into battle for me when no one else would. She's done things when she thought it wasn't worth it, but still did it. Anna is incredible. I'm a blessed man. Because of this connection I have with my family, it builds strength, trust, reliance, loyalty, and I only need to look at them to know when something's wrong or something's right. I wouldn't have it any other way because there's that connection. We built that. But there's so many things that grab our attention away from really, it's really important in our lives. And I have to say, the 21 days of fasting, God really has started revealing a lot of things in my life that needed to change. And I've already told you about my watch. Uh, you know, my watch, I had a, a smart watch. I don't wear it now because it took so much of my attention away. I, had, I did a bit of research on my watch, and I looked that I was getting 104 notifications every day, and that's not including emails. That's just text messages, social media, absolute nonsense that comes on my phone. And every time it goes on my phone, it goes on my watch, and when it goes on my watch, I go like that. So I'd be talking to people, and I'd just be, shouldn't be, I should be listening to them and, and, and not looking at my watch and actually doing what I'm being paid for. But worse than that, what you may not know about me is I'm an enthusiast. I'm an enthusiast about everything I do. I don't just do things. I immerse myself in them. And it's quite tragic, really, because at home, I have five bicycles. I have two cameras. I have 12 men's watches, three women's watches, three pocket watches. I have a kayak. I have three sets of golf clubs. I have two tennis rackets. I have nine pairs of sneakers four pair of boots, four pair of dress shoes, four pair of thongs, two pair of golf shoes, and two pairs of cycling shoes. I even have a pair of Indian jutis at home. <laughs> I only have one pair of feet. What is wrong with me? All the things, these, all these things work to distracting me about what is important. Don't get me started on my fishing gear. Seriously, I have that much fishing gear, it looks, it looks like a fishing shop. I told you, Anna is an amazing person. There is nothing wrong with having a hobby. There is nothing wrong with distraction in your life. But when it becomes an obsession, when it takes your mind from what is important, then that's when the problem becomes. And I have an easy habit of changing and doing different things all the time, but it takes my mind away from what God wants. This week we're talking about the healthy church, having a healthy church. I think one of the ways we can attain this is by ensuring that all that we do is directed to God. Everything we do, we put God in the forefront of everything we do. Red said it last week in Matthew 6, 19 to 21. It says, 
Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The passage goes on in verse 24 that says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one or love the other, and he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It says money there, but it could be anything. You cannot serve God and your addictive behaviour to golf. You cannot serve God and be at every sporting event. You cannot be uh, serving God and, you know, anything. You have to be focused. You can't focus on one or the other. You must focus on one to be devoted to it. The world tells you to hold on to your life, protect it, do what you like, be what you want to be, do whatever it is that makes you feel happy. The problem with happiness is it's fleeting. Happiness lasts for a period of time and then you're on looking for the next thing that's going to make you happy. We don't need to look for happiness. We need to look for contentment. There's a big difference. Happiness is about feelings. Contentment is someone that's deep within you. And that contentment only comes from the Father. You need to be close to the Father. The world says protect your life. The Bible says give it away to receive it. Matthew 10 says whoever does not take the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We need to throw away the, the stuff that's not important. We need to chase after God, and then we'll have a true life. Then we'll have contentment, and that will bring happiness and joy and peace in your life. We need to let go of the superficial and take up the supernatural because a God, our God is supernatural. Our God of the supernatural can allow you to have peace when all around you is turmoil. The God of the supernatural allows you to sleep at night when you don't know where your kids are in their cars. The God of the supernatural created the heavens and earth out of nothing. And have a look what has he created, such a beautiful thing. Because our God is supernatural. We need to stop worrying about the superficial and start directing our attention to the supernatural. Let me ask you, do we really understand the life we can have if we truly made God worthy of it all? If we were to give God our everything that's when we're going to find contentment. Now, the scripture I'm going to read now is what I want to base this message off of, and it's from Mark 14, 3 to 9. It says, And while he was at Bethany, that's Jesus, in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a beautiful thing to me, for you will always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has not anointed my body before burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done here will be told in memory of her. It's a great story. We've all heard it before. There's three things in that that show that how, how we need to be, how we can live our lives. The first point is an obvious one. What she did for Jesus was of great personal cost to her. She had an alabaster jar full of nard, which is an oil or an ointment. I wondered what nard was. So firstly, it was worth around a year's wages, and so we know it's of great cost. But nard comes from the flower, the Nardo citrus jatamansi, which is, uh, I knew that, I just sort of share that with you. 
which is a flowering plant of the honeysuckle family that only grows in the Himalayas, China and India. It is found at very high altitude, no lower than 3,000 metres and no higher than 5,000 metres. Um, it is crushed and distilled into an aromatic perfume and the oil is very thick. It is used as a perfume and incense and even herbal medicine. This was some not only expensive stuff, it was very hard to come by. It was probably her inheritance. And she knew Christ was worthy of it all. She knew that no matter what, everything she had, she was prepared to give to her saviour. She was content with what she had and she had peace about it. This was not a random act of generosity. When you look at the story, some people think that the, the woman in this story is Mary Magdalene, who would have been very uh, generous and uh, thought Jesus was worthy of everything because, um, you know, of the forgiveness he gave her. And others would think it was Mary, uh, the Mary and Martha story, who would have been equally uh, thankful to Christ because he raised Lazarus, her brother. And I think it was Martha, Mary's Martha in this story. But the thing about it is it wasn't a spur-of-the-moment random act this act that came out of a relationship with Jesus. They knew who Christ was. She knew who Christ was. He meant everything to her. There was a connection with her. It wasn't just a, a whim. She did it because she loved him. She had a heart knowledge of him, a heart connection, not just a head knowledge. You know, when we have a head knowledge of Christ, it's very hard to have a, a true relationship with him. And you only need to look at the story of the rich young ruler. As he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all of these I've kept since my youth. And Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful because he had great possession. This guy kept all the commandments, did all that he was meant to do, but he didn't know Jesus. He knew the law. He knew what he had to do, but he didn't have a connection with Jesus. He didn't have a heart connection with him. He had a head knowledge of it, and he walked away disheartened. He had so much that he could have given, but he gave nothing because he just couldn't do it. It's impossible to make Jesus worthy of it all through head knowledge. It must be a relationship and spending time with him. And you will only see the worth of something you know intimately. The second thing here is that she didn't care what others thought of her devotion to Jesus. It says in uh, verse 4, There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? It could have been sold for a year's, wa a year's wages or given to the poor. And they scolded her. And I think sometimes there's a problem with us. We struggle to make Jesus number one in our lives because we're embarrassed by what people might think or what people might say about us. I can tell you as a younger Christian, there's so many opportunities I missed to tell people about Jesus because I was embarrassed. There were so many people, in my, well, so many times in my family that I could have said something about the Lord, but I was embarrassed by what they might think of me or what they might say. I, mean, my, I have two older brothers and they're always going to tease me, so it doesn't really matter what I say, but the amount of times I missed the mark of telling people in the street about Christ because I was embarrassed by what they, they might say. Matthew spells it out for us. It says, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also de deny before my Father in heaven. It's a, it's a pretty heavy thing, really, isn't it? 
Now, we have an opportunity to share the gospel and see people come into the kingdom, and we balk at it sometimes. Or, you know, you think about Peter when he denied Christ three times. You know, there's a man who walked with Christ and still denied him. And he will deny us before the Father if we do that. It's a pretty heavy thought. We need courage to share the gospel and to not worry about what people think of us. And that's what I loved about Mary. She didn't care for a second what the people in the room thought of her. Just imagine for a minute she was the only woman in that room, walked up and put the oil over Jesus' head. That takes courage to do that. The other thing I thought that was odd about this is the people that were in that room were the disciples. Those guys that were in the room were the disciples. They're the ones who said, why would you do that? Why would you waste oil on Jesus? These are the same guys who've seen him perform miracles all around, seen him raise people from the dead, lame walk, blind eyes to see, hear, ears to hear again. These folks walked with him when he did it, and they said, why would you waste oil on Jesus? That just blows my mind. Can I suggest that even as a church, as church leaders and congregants, there are times when we don't think people's uh, gift to Jesus is worth it either, and we can stifle it, mock it, and hold it back. We can't do that. My expression of worship is no better than yours, or worse than yours. It's just my expression of worship. It's different. If we truly want to see a healthy church, we need to encourage all the gifts to be and expressions of worship, as will edify the entire body. There is not one way to worship Jesus. Everybody worships differently. I remember a particular guy years ago in church who had an extraordinary way of worshiping the Lord, jumping and thrusting his arms around as he did it. And we as young guys would sit at the back with our arms crossed and giggle at him and laugh at him. And this guy was going nuts for Jesus, absolutely loving it. And we'd sit there and mock him. Who do you think Jesus was more happy with that day? The guy jumping and worshiping, giving his all to Christ, or four young idiots in the back row thinking, what's that bloke doing? God wants our worship. And I love Jesus' response to them. He says, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a beautiful thing for me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Which brings me to the final point. Mary's act of worship had eternal implications. It had eternity in mind. It was part of God's eternal purpose. Our lives can't be random acts of worship. Our lives must carry eternal significance for others to follow. Our act of worship must be part of fulfilling God's purpose here on earth. Paul, while he was a prisoner, writes to the Gentiles saying, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, so I am in the very, at the very least of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to be the light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is according to the eternal purpose that he realised in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have the boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. If we want a healthy church, we must be a church that has an eternal focus, a focus on the things that make God's name great, a focus on that will draw the lost and to meet Jesus. That's what we need to be doing. As a church, everything we do must be focused on the end game. You know, we've got to be focused on seeing people come to Christ 
and, and coming into church, not for our sake, not to fill seats, but to meet with Jesus. That's our job. That's what we have to do. All too often, even among Christian churches, it's viewed as maybe nice. If it's a really good church, maybe it's not a bad place to be. But it's rarely seen as a necessity today. I mean, COVID proved that, didn't it? When you didn't have to come to church, how many people struggled to come back? I'm not having a go at anybody. I mean, you know, it's great that they can sit at home and watch it on, online. But it didn't become, it wasn't a necessity for people anymore. But you've got to be around one another. Iron sharpens iron. You've got to get together and you've got to have a, an eternal focus together. We need to be reaching the lost. It's a shame that people don't think church is important anymore. We should be in church. We should be rubbing shoulders with one another. If we want our lives to count for eternity, we have to get God's vision for the church and live accordingly. God loved the church so much that he gave up his life for her. God loves the church. If we want a healthy church, then we must all we do, must do all we can to see Jesus glorified through this church. Everything we do must point to Christ. Everything. It's not a once in a while thing. It's not when we feel like it. It's not once a month. Everything we do as a church has to point to Jesus, has to point to God, has to point to salvation. People need salvation. This world is in such a bad shape. You only need to read the news or watch what's popular on TV at the moment and you can see that it's absolutely garbage, this world. The things that are going on, the things that go through government is absolutely nonsense. It's the church's job to fix the world through Christ. Not mine, not yours, but the church, the body of Christ needs to fix this world. That's our job. Get out there and preach the good news to people. Draw them back to Christ. Draw them back to the things of Christ. My question today is this. Is God worthy of your all? Not just your head answer. Something deep within you that wants to serve Him so much, that wants to see your light shining out there so people are drawn in. Is God worthy of your all? What's holding you back from that expression of worship that gives you all for Him? Are there things in your life you need to get rid of? Like the rich wrong ruler. Do you need to get rid of something in your life? Lots of things in your life. One thing in your life that's going to draw you closer to God. It will not happen overnight. There's no way it will happen overnight. We're human. I'm not standing here as any expert telling you, I've got it all together. I wear a yellow shirt. I know exactly what's happening. I'm not telling you that for one second because God is working on me like he works on everybody. Your salvation, you work through. You work out your salvation. It doesn't happen overnight. You keep growing in it. And it's the same with this. We need to keep working at it. We need to keep chiseling off the things that are holding us back from what God's got for us and what God's got for people through you, which is really important. Maybe while we sing tonight, today, ask God to reveal the things that you need to let go of, that you need to lay down. You need to just maybe polish the edges of a bit. While we sing this song, while we finish here today, ask God to reveal the things that need to be let go of that you need to give over to him so that we can have a healthy church and it all starts with us. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.